Welcome to the Focus Today podcast with Perry Atkinson. Welcome back. And of course, I've been looking forward to this. Uh, our good friend John O'Connor is back with us, trial lawyer, author of a fascinating book called Postgate and how the Washington Post betrayed uh, Deep Throat and covered up Watergate and began what we call today's partisan advocacy journalism. Uh, John has also served as the assistant U.S. attorney in Northern California, representing the United States, both in criminal and civil cases. Uh, you can go to postgatebook.com is the website postgatebook.com and you can also check out his other book called The Mysteries of Watergate. All this now as John has written there through the years has come about to be true. Check it out. John, good to see you. I've been waiting to talk to you, friend. How are you? <laughs> well, Perry, these are interesting times, aren't they? Gosh, I uh, my brain's on tilt. <laughs> yep. Um, all right, we got a lot to talk about. What is your takeaway from the failed plea deal with Hunter Biden? Well, obviously, they tried to pull a fast one on the court and on the public. Uh, they had this little clause in there that no other crimes would be charged up to the time of the plea, uh, and only future conduct would be uh, potentially prosecutable. But that was in the plea stuck in the diversion agreement, not the actual plea to the tax. Now, there's a tax plea agreement where he was going to plead guilty to crimes. And then there was another deal on this diversion where he would admit to possessing a gun um, under the influence of drugs, but would not be convicted for that. that that's called the diversion. Uh, the agreement never to prosecute Hunter again was contained in that agreement, which the court probably in normal circumstances would not have looked at it. This uh, judge is a pretty sharp person, uh, found it, and then asked the prosecutors about it. And then the prosecutors promptly backed away. Uh, now, here's the problem, Perry. Eventually, my prediction is he's going to plead guilty to these offenses. As per the original agreement, he'll just take his chances uh, that in the future, the Department of Justice is not going to uh, charge him again. Uh, you know, what can we what can anyone do to force Merrick Garland to prosecute this guy beyond these rinky dink offenses? I'm not sure we can do anything. And if I were Hunter Biden's lawyer uh, and saw that the judge discovered this clause, I would say, oh, well, no big deal. I'll plead guilty anyway. And probably no one would be the wiser now because they tried to hold firm on getting this clause that he can never ever more be prosecuted for his past conduct now that they made a big deal about it they've really put everybody's eyes on this and uh, i think uh, people are just going to be watching more closely that's all uh, what can we do to force garland to allow his prosecutors to charge hunter biden um so, but he he was going to go into a plea deal, plead guilty to the gun thing, and plead guilty to uh, the back tax thing. The, the plea deal falls apart based upon what you just said. And then he says, I'm not guilty with the tax deal. Doesn't that set up a trial? Well, that's right. That's what the not guilty plea is. Uh, when you plead guilty to a crime, you're really changing your plea is what happens uh, 
counsel, I understand your defendant is ready to change his plea. That's what happens in a plea deal because he's already entered a not guilty plea. So what happened is he just, in essence, re-entered a not guilty plea uh, since the um, deal broke down. So he's no longer deemed to be pleading guilty. That's all. It's just very formal. Uh, it doesn't mean anything. Uh, so the question is, what will happen in a month from now? I, I think the judge, the only option for the judge really is to say, no, I'm not going to accept a deal unless I can sentence him. That's the best thing she could do. Right now, here, here's what happens normally, Perry. Normally in a plea deal, when the prosecutor says we're not going to seek any jail time, normally that's the deal. Defendant is going to plead guilty. Prosecutor has agreed not to recommend jail time. That doesn't mean in most situations that the judge can't give time. Hmm. But but uh, and that's the normal deal. Every now and then there's a plea deal that says this deal is only effective if the judge agrees with the prosecutor not to give jail time or agrees with the prosecutor only to give three months or whatever the case may be. This was one of the latter pleas. This plea is contingent upon the judge uh, accepting the idea of not sentencing him at all for his misdemeanor um, activities. And, and what's the significance of that? Well, even though he's only pleading to misdemeanors, the judge is able to take into account all of his other activities that might be questionable. She can take a pre-sentence report about all his dealings in China and so forth, what led to his non-payment of these taxes, the fact that he probably, more than probably, evaded taxes. And she could sentence him up to six months for each of these two offenses. So they tried to take that power away from her as well. Uh, now, so what I think will have to happen is I think they're going to have to plead guilty to these offenses and give the judge the opportunity to sentence him. That's my guess as to the maximum that people like you and I could expect out of this. Don't you think the judge sees through this as nothing more than a subterfuge to divert the attention away from the big case that's still under investigation that includes Hunter Biden? Hunter Biden, excuse well, me. Well, she at least sees the thing as a big subterfuge, period without regard to the attention um, uh, elsewhere. Uh, but yeah, the whole thing is a subterfuge, yeah. And I think she knows that. But her, her role in this is limited because no one's brought other charges. I mean, she, she can't bring a FARA charge. She can't bring a tax evasion charge. Now, also another thing, Perry, let me add this. Gone unnoticed by most people is that David Weiss, the great David Weiss, had appropriately forced Hunter and his lawyers to agree to toll, T-O-L-L, toll the statute of statutes of limitation pending the investigation. That means they sign a written agreement that they agree that the statute of limitation is not running, uh, which allows the prosecutor to scratch his chin and decide whether to bring charges. You force the defense to do that by saying, okay, if you don't agree to toll the statute, we're just going to go ahead and file these charges anyway to make sure we preserve the statute. So the defense normally says, oh, no, whoa, 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 we'll sign a tolling agreement. Well, that's what was occurring. And then at the end of 2022, 
uh, Weiss allowed the tolling agreement to expire without forcing Hunter Hunter's lawyers to agree to an extension of the tolling agreement. So what we have as we're sitting here now is that most, underline most, statutes of limitations have run, such as, for example, the 2014 and 15 tax evasion, not non-payment, but evasion, which are, which are felony uh, charges. So th those have run. Uh, so I think the reason people are concentrating on FARA charges, Foreign Agent Registration Act charges, is because that statute may still be alive. Why wouldn't Hunter's attorneys consider the fact that it appears they have Merrick Garland in their pocket? Let's just not go for a plea deal and slow walk this case until the president's out of the White House. Uh, well, they don't want to do that because, well, first of all, they have a little bit of uh, it'll become a campaign issue, number one. And I think Biden understands that and Garland understands that, that they can't just not prosecute him after this thing has uh, been around. And especially after the Republicans in Congress have made a big deal about it. So politically, the political process works when people draw attention to wrongdoing. And that's my point about the media. Normally, the media is silent about any wrongdoing from the left. Uh, they've been sort of uh, preempted, as it were, uh, gone around by Congress. They can't ignore Congress. They can't ignore what's being splashed on Fox News and on local radio and so forth. Um, so they're sort of forced to do this by public pressure uh, so that they can say they prosecuted Hunter. So he's got to plead to something. Uh, if I were Hunter, I would take this deal and run, even if you have to be in prison. And I would tell him that, look, Hunter, you got a chance that you're going to go to jail for three months. It's going to be a country club prison someplace, uh, but you're going to have to go. And if and if you got to do that, go ahead and do it. It's not the end of the world. You're not agreeing to a felony. A felony would then probably could lead to disbarment, should lead to disbarment. These are misdemeanors. He's not going to get disbarred. All he's pleading to is, gee, I didn't have enough money to pay my taxes that I admitted I owed. He admitted to a non-tax evasion set of crimes. So if I were he, I would just plead guilty to these things um, and, and all that. And then just, I think Garland has shown that, and Biden has shown that, that they think they can weather with the help of a compliant media, they can weather any criticism of not prosecuting on something else. I think they went too far. They got too greedy with this deal. The judge exposed it. And uh, there we are. Now, uh, given this attention, the New Deal may give her sentencing authority. And if she has sentencing authority, I think he's going to probably have to go to jail for a few months. But that's the most we can hope for is that a few months in jail. Wouldn't that be as damaging to the credibility of the whole problem of of um, buying foreign favor with the Biden's organizations uh, if the if Biden uh, Hunter goes to jail? Isn't that as, about as damaging as it can get? How do you get through a campaign when your son's in prison? Well, sure, it looks bad. But remember this, he's only pleading. He would only be pleading. Even though he'd be punished for other things. Mm hmm. Uh, he would be pleading only to not paying that which he admitted he owed. He admitted he owed millions, and he was short a hundred thousand here, hundred thousand there, 
look, this happens all the time and people don't get prosecuted for it. Frankly, if, if your real crime is just simply not paying what you claim, what you admit you owe, most of the time the Internal Revenue Service does not prosecute you. Uh, th- they did this in this case because they wanted some rinky-dink charges to um, to have him plead to. Uh, so the charges themselves are nothing. The charges have no moral turpitude attached to them. It's just, uh, you know, hey, my pockets are empty is all it is. It's a form of debtor's prison, really. Mm. So I don't think, it, it, yeah, I mean, the optics may not be good, but they're not good on Hunter anyway. And I'll tell you this. If he did go to jail, I, I think the people on the left would say, oh, Hunter's paid his price. He's paid his price, and these rabid Republicans forced him to do it. This is more than should happen to this poor young guy. He had drug problems. If you see the way it's being treated now uh, by the by the major media, I, I don't think that would be a problem. I think Hunter's just a, a spoiled kid who— who, you know, goes to jail, you know, he's done all these terrible things and he acts like he's above it all mm-hmm. and is offended by by things. I mean, he comes to court in a six-car caravan. I mean, the, the kid is, uh, yeah, the kid's spoiled. All right, let me take, right, let me- let me take a quick break. I'll come back. Uh, honored to have back with us. Perfect timing. Uh, John O'Connor's with us and uh, former assistant U.S. attorney there in Northern California, trial lawyer. Check out his book, and you can go to his website, postgatebook.com. Two books, Postgate and The Mysteries of Watergate, right there. We'll be right back. We'll be back to this week's interview in just a few seconds. In the meantime, we want to let you know that you can watch this interview, plus many more exclusive interviews that happen this week on the Dove's daily TV and radio show by visiting our website, thedove.us. And while you're there, sign up for our free daily devotional, The Word for You Today. Three months of daily readings that will connect you with God's Word. Now, back to the show. Welcome back. And uh, again, honored to have back with us. He always gives us time when we call and we value that. John O'Connor's back with us, trial lawyer, the uh, former assistant U.S. attorney there in Northern California. And John has written a couple of books. You may want to check it out, Postgate. And you can go to postgatebook.com. Check out that book, which deals with going back to Watergate and the beginning of what we now call advocacy journalism and also the mysteries of Watergate. So much of this stuff today. John, just quickly, uh, if all this stuff with the Bidens is true, <laughs> it makes Watergate look pretty small, don't you think? Oh, ridiculously so. I think about what it is that Richard Nixon was convicted of. Was He wasn't, by all accounts, in any way involved in the burglary, the Watergate burglary, and he was essentially thrown out of office because he denied <laughs> being involved, number one, and number two, he made the mistake of asking the CIA uh, to call the FBI off the so-called Mexican money trail investigation, a fairly minor cover-up, but none but one that was caught on tape. So he was caught for a minor act of obstruction and was thrown out of office. And his, his uh, underlings were convicted essentially of covering up, of not uh, being forthcoming and trying to perhaps keep other people from testifying. Uh, that and you're really talking about a burglary. Yeah, all of it's criminal. I don't doubt about. I don't doubt that. 
And part of my book is that the Post really covered up what it knew about the crimes. And had they really told the truth, Nixon would have looked less uh, guilty and less um, and less reprehensible, I would say. Now, in this case, what do we have, Perry? Look at this. We have not only bribery and corruption, we have it regarding our our most um, active geopolitical rival, China. There's a lot of bribery going on by China. And of course, there was bribery by UK, Ukraine um, uh, oligarchs as well, which again impacts our our politics in that very serious region of of Ukraine and in uh, Russia, and so uh, and so look at the impact of this. Uh, the impact of this is very serious. Um, Trump was impeached a second time because he was trying to uncover corruption in Ukraine, which was really there. So what happens? We elect Joe Biden, who's uh, waffled on helping Ukraine originally, and when he could have stopped this thing at the beginning. And then he's beholden to China. We know that. It's really very scary. The, the activities here are far, far worse. I mean, they really border on treason, if not actual treason itself. When you have a guy that is letting a spy satellite traverse your country, with no repercussions, that, and, and if it's a result of your having been compromised by China, that is treason. That's Benedict Arnold stuff. That's what it is. He's Benedict Arnold. And nobody is seeming to publicize that on the left. Um, to that point, I was trying to figure out, uh, it looked like part of Hunter Biden's tax evasion was $2.6 million in owed taxes. I was trying to reverse engineer that to think what, what would be $2.6 million beyond what kind of income? It's off the charts. <laughs> right, right. The figure I've heard is 8.3 million, Perry. And I don't know if that's true. I just see that thrown around. I haven't seen the calculation of his 2.6, but um, <clears throat> the figures that are thrown around are <clears throat> that 17 million of some in some form or fashion was paid somewhere but hunter uh hunter's income was 8.3 now i don't know how they get to that but that's a lot of money mm -hmm. and that's just the money he's reporting how much isn't reported okay keeping at the 30,000 foot view of the whole thing dealing with the bidens from hunter to the president especially when he was vice president and the word T, the T word being in their treason. Um, do you think the Republicans are handling this correctly and in looking into the possibility of going forward with an investigation that could result in impeachment? Yes, I think they're doing all they can do. Uh, first of all, they realize they're never going to be able to remove Biden anyway. And if they did end up with an impeachment, it would be so close to the election as to be a meaningless uh, given that he'll probably get an acquittal. B, it'll look like it's a political stunt. It's not. Um, but it's too bad that, uh, you know, that Congress didn't get on this earlier. Too bad that, uh, you know, they didn't have the House and the Senate when they could have. So uh, they're doing all they can. I think the reason 
that this thing is now in the forefront of public awareness is because of Congress. So I think they're doing all they can do. The main thing they have is they have a form of bully pulpit, is their ability to investigate and, and broadcast their investigation. Because it appears to me that if whether it's the president or if it's uh, Merrick Garland or if it's Secretary Mayorkas, they have three people that they could bring impeachment charges to in the House, knowing it's not going to go anywhere with the Senate or the president. But that would be what they did with Trump. Uh, they just threw him around to slow him down. I mean, couldn't, does that have any value at all? Well, I think the only value is that it dramatizes things. Most people out there do not realize what you and I realize, which is that this comes from Merrick Garland not doing his duty. Right. To, to summarize, Merrick Garland lied to the American people about the uh, breadth of authority he was giving to David Weiss. He just flat out lied both to the public and under oath. He's, he's told palpable lies. Secondly, he has deliberately violated his own regulations that are there on the books, requiring him to appoint a special counsel in that situation. I think right now, if you were to ask uh, the man on the street, 94 out of 100 would not know anything about what I just said. If we do have an impeachment of Merrick Garland, it will put these issues front and center. That's all the Congress can really do is bring things to public awareness. And I think it's a good idea. Actually, I'm in favor of that, at least an impeachment inquiry. That's why McCarthy has the right um, mode of operation. Nobody can uh, object to an investigation, which is what that would be, the inquiry. And I think we ought to have it and it ought to focus on Merrick Garland. Now, what can end up happening is, is that People can say, OK, it's too close to the election. We finished our inquiry. We're not going to impeach right now. Uh, it just doesn't make a lot of practical sense. But look, we've told the American people what's happened. I think that would be a very sound and wise use of their powers of inquiry and investigation, much like the McClellan hearings many, many years ago, exposing racketeering and labor unions and so forth. There have been some very a consequential hearings uh, uh, before the House and the Senate, and uh, as in Watergate, and it, and I think it would be a, a good use of those powers in this case, even though nobody's going to get removed from office. Um, so I heard you say that Merrick Garland has committed perjury. Yes, but he he won't be charged for it. Well, he's got to charge himself. <laughs> number one. <laughs> Or, as he should do, he should appoint a special counsel to investigate he himself, which is very hard to do. First of all, if to the extent that, uh, first of all, the House should be making credible claims that he committed perjury. He's right there, you know, on record as saying, I let David Weiss, I gave him authority to prosecute whatever, whoever, whenever, wherever he wanted. That just wasn't true. He didn't have that authority. He didn't have the right to charge in any district he wanted. That's crystal clear. Um, so I, I, th I think an inquiry as to at least as to whether he committed perjury would be appropriate. Now, the second thing is, as you point out, if there is a credible claim of perjury, at that point, he should, as in Watergate, as what happened in Watergate, where, where uh, 
Attorney General Elliot Richardson appointed a, a, an independent counsel, special counsel. Um, I, I think Garland, if he's being ethical, should appoint a special counsel to investigate he himself, Garland. Uh, now, do I think that's going to happen? No. Yeah. All right, let me take one more break. So honored to have with us uh, John O'Connor. Let me encourage you to check out his two books. I think it's very appropriate now for you to check them out. Postgatebook.com, uh, The Mysteries of Watergate, and Postgate itself. Um, the parallels are staggering. We'll be right back. Welcome back. And uh, again, uh, honored to have with us John O'Connor, trial lawyer, author of the book called Postgate, how the Washington Post betrayed Deep Throat and covered up Watergate, <laughs> excuse me, and began today's partisan advocacy journalism. Also, the um, sequel to that is The Mystery of Watergate. Both of these, you can go to postgatebook.com. John, I want to I come off target just for a moment and ask you a question about your profession. How do we restore integrity to your profession and get the leaders of your profession to return to the fidelity of their oath of office? That is a very difficult question because throughout our history, throughout our history, we have, um, uh, the citizenry has been very sensitive to uh, violation of norms, laws, procedures. And, and, and people wanted to avoid shame. We have a society now in which we seem to, to use the fashionable word normalize uh, criminal or unethical conduct. I mean, and look what is happening now with all these prosecutions of Trump. It makes a good part of the nation say this whole law enforcement uh, scheme is corrupt. Um, and, then, and then look at at what Biden gets away with. Uh, the whole thing looks like it's just banana republic corruption. So um, it's always been the case that you could probably take advantage of the system, the legal system, if you uh, suborn perjury. That's the fact. And I think people are getting a little bit calloused and inured to the mm. fact that there's an awful lot of lying going on that may not have happened, wouldn't have happened as much in the past when people who believe in God get on the stand. People take their oath seriously, uh, especially believers. There are not as many believers today. There are not as many people who take these things seriously, even if they are religious. Uh, there's, I, I, I seem to notice a lot more cynicism today than when I first started practicing. And I don't know that there's a way out of it yeah. other than we just need generally to restore uh, the ascendancy of moral values in this country. Right. Um, we have to we have to start out by changing our leadership. And uh, and and by the way, I, I must make a comment here. You know, Donald Trump, unfortunately, in the Mar-a-Lago case, with there's with these new charges. He, he's guilty of obstruction, uh, Perry, uh, in that, in, in at least in the Mar-a-Lago case, there's so many of these charges are some, nothing more than a political hatchet jobs. But he's going to look like he's uh, committed crimes, and I think he did. And that's not good either. As much as the system is biased against him, it just makes, it so hurts the fabric of our society 
that we have this uh, going yeah. on. Because you know what, I was watching the confirmation hearings of uh, now uh, Justice Barrett, and when that was going on, they spent one whole day on the subject of precedence and uh, how a bad law can become the precedence of a bad law can become law. <laughs> and I, right. I and I'm wondering if that applies morally to the profession as well. Well, I think that's I would agree with that. I think that's exactly what happens. Uh, uh, you, if, if you succeed by virtue of cynical tactics, I mean, the whole world watched the O.J. Simpson case. Uh, if you succeed by cynical tactics, uh, that becomes ingrained in the system. You're, you're giving out rewards. And this is my point, by the way, with Postgate. The reason I wrote Postgate is not just because the journalism was slanted, but because if you read Postgate, you'll see it was actually deliberately deceptive. Mm -hmm. uh, they concealed truths. They committed fraud. And yet they got Pulitzer Prizes for it. So what is the lesson for journalists from the Post? The lesson is, is that, you know, you, you get political power, riches and fame by lying in your reporting. So now you look at the reporting of Hunter Biden. If you look at the uh, you look at the AP and you look at CNN and MSNBC and all these sites, uh, the way they report this is just very deceptive. Um, I, I look at my time here. Let me come back to uh, you. You've been pretty consistent saying that uh, Trump's problems now are becoming legitimate and are enforceable. And with the new series of uh, charges uh, from uh, special counsel Jack Smith, all of this has sticking power. Um, so it's possible we're going to have a former president and a current president. <laughs> under investigation for being crooks at the same time, does that wipe them both out? Well, I got to say they both are crooks. I hate to say that because I like what Donald Trump's done, but he's a crook. If you look at the Mar-a-Lago indictment now, I think it's uh, charges uh, 33 to 40. Um, those are very good charges. Uh, Biden looks like, I mean, Trump looks like a blundering, egotistical guy who doesn't handle uh, legal matters very well and is too headstrong to uh, give in to sound advice. Biden is simply a corrupt actor, uh, and I think far worse. But but we do have two candidates coming up, two likely candidates that are both uh, guilty as charged. I hate to say that. Could... Um I guess this is hypothetical in some ways, but uh, could uh, President Biden pardon President Trump? Oh, he could. He could. He could pardon Trump right now, but he's not going to do it. He loves this. He loves to watch Trump twist in the wind. And the beautiful thing for Biden is, is that Trump's followers are going to are going to be able to nominate him. And Biden is laughing because he knows the middle of the electorate is going to get peeled away every time uh, some something comes out about Trump. The only chance Biden has of winning is if Trump is in there and that's his opponent. The only chance Trump has of winning is if Biden stays as the candidate. Uh, both sides are somewhat unsatisfied, at least the upper echelons are, are both dissatisfied with the, their candidates, but I don't think 
they're in a position to do anything about either one of them. So can Trump I think, can Trump run with all these indictments against him? Well, he's going to do it. He's just the kind of guy that can do it. I mean, I couldn't do it psychologically. Mm-hmm. Uh, now, this new charge that's going to come out on obstructing the proceedings on January 6th, that trial will probably get tried because you don't have all these classified documents that delay things. That thing's going to get tried probably at the end of 2023. So Smith's going to issue an indictment here in the next couple of weeks. And that trial is going to go by, say, this November. I think Trump will get convicted in D.C. on obstructing a proceeding. I'm not so sure I would vote as a juror. I would vote to convict him because I, I think he was just exercising his rights to protest an election. But nonetheless, it's going to look like he obstructed a proceeding. There's a way uh, for uh, Smith to get a guilty verdict with uh, with a, a good uh, jury, and he's going to get that good jury for him. So Trump will be uh, convicted in late 2023 of the obstruction January 6th charge. We'll get convicted in, later in May. Uh, so it remains to be seen how this first conviction on obstruction of the proceedings will impact him in the in the primaries. I suspect if passed his prologue, Perry, it's not going to affect his voters, and he's probably going to get nominated. I I personally want to see um, someone, anyone. We have a lot of good candidates replace Trump because I think. It doesn't matter if you love Trump if he's not going to win. And I think he has a really, really hard road to win um, with these convictions that are going to occur both at the end of 2023 and the middle of 2024. He's going to look bad. The middle electric, the suburban women are going to pull away from him even more than they have so far. Uh, And so now the other thing I would say is – because Biden's so failing physically and mentally, it would not surprise me if uh, Gavin Newsom ended up being the nominee on the Democratic side. It may well be that he's so bad physically that he, he knows he can't run. I mean, the guy can barely speak a sentence now, and he's getting worse by the day. If Gavin Newsom is nominated, or anyone else from the Democratic side, they're going to probably win the election if, they, if they're running against Trump. Uh, it, it's it's so uh, the best thing for Trump would be for Biden to be nominated. The best thing for Biden would be for Trump to be nominated. I think that's uh, if just looking at it politically, you're absolutely correct. They both need each other to win. <laughs> right. And then you got this third party, Barry. Yeah. It's going to strengthen. If both people are crooks, the third party, no labels, will get gain some power. And how the heck that's going to shake out. Is it going to pull more from the left or the right? I don't know. Why don't you run and I'll be your running mate? <laughs> well, I'll tell you this. I, I can definitely say I would be far more qualified and more ethical than the people running. I'll say that. <laughs> oh, John, I can't even imagine what goes through your brain when you're reading the headlines these days. And of course, you look into the depths of it and you see it. We don't. Uh, everybody's just arguing on the surface. Uh, but just hearing you legally, this thing is very muddy and messy and it's got a long ways to go. Yeah. That's all we know. That's all we know. Thank you, John. Let me say to our viewers and listeners, and you let us have an extra uh, segment today. We value that. Uh, viewers and listeners, go to John's website, postgatebook.com. Check out both books. And that would be... Uh, uh, Postgate, and then the other one, The Mysteries of Watergate. Yeah, I think when you read these two books, you're going to be greatly uh, in, 
enlighten us to the parallels then and now on what's happening. Thank you, John. God bless you, friend, for all you do. Good talking to you, Perry. Thank you for listening to this week's Focus Today podcast. Remember, you can visit our website to check out all the interviews we did this week on our daily Focus Today TV show at thedove.us. And if you like this podcast, please take a moment to rate us and share it with your friends.